0: Welcome to the show, Paul and Adam in studio talking all things Art of Living. What's going on, my man? Hello, Paul.
1: All things Art of Living.
0: It's really not true, though. We don't talk all things Not all art things. Art of Living.
1: Like, we, we have never talked about toothpaste. <laughs> That's the art of, of living, brushing your teeth. Right. We've never talked about tying your shoes. The art of art. We've never talked about art, for goodness sake.
0: So it can't be all things.
1: So I, I all have, the things we choose to talk about. <laughs> I have to get rid
0: of that that line, talking all things. over do living.
1: I don't know. We're open to all things. There you go. If you called a, if a guest was on the show and started talking about toothpaste, or whatever, we would talk about it.
0: Right. Yeah. We're not gonna deny someone the right.
1: <laughs> you got to fight for your right to talk <laughs> the about the freedom toothpaste. of speech.
0: <laughs> so anyway, we're gonna we're gonna get into all things. Art of living. We have a great guest uh, today coming on. Yeah, I'm excited. uh, Later, uh, we're going to dive deep, dive deep. uh, Dr. Mario Sacasa Uh, is coming on the show, and uh, dude, um, so why don't we do uh, Have You Seen?
1: What did you say? That is so interesting. for
0: real, though. Yeah, so I'm for real. Just got back from Peoria, Illinois. What a great place. Yeah, spent uh, a long time there. Five days. <laughs> uh, shout out to my friends there in Peoria, Illinois. So uh sometimes when I go to a place that's kind of not known for anything, or it's a small town or a place that I haven't gone before, I kind of look up, like, what's interesting about, mm-hmm. you know, this place, Peoria, Illinois? You know, what's there to see? Mm-hmm. And uh so come to find out... um, what is there to see in Peoria, Illinois? Is this? This is the international get this headquarters for Caterpillar tractors. Really? Yeah, that's a big deal. That is a big like deal. Th- these things are all over uh, the place, and um, you know this is like a a massive company. It's it's like half the economy of Peoria, basically.
1: Yeah, I'd imagine top
0: engineers and you know designers and really, I met a lot of cool people who are actually at who belonged to the parish where I spoke went to do a parish mission. And then I did a training for their volunteers and their ministry staff. Uh, Anyway. um, But yeah, kind of cool. So, so one of like their simple tractor bulldozers, kind of their top seller, kind of middle of the line deal. Uh, You know what it sells for middle of the line? Yeah. It's just like they're, they're, they're one that, that just, you know, keeps coming off the shelf. Sells for
1: twenty thousand,
0: half a million. Oh my word! Yeah, that's uh, a <laughs> half a milli. Cool. Yeah, these things are the real deal, man. So that, they're not playing around. Uh, but here's here's one of the cool conversations that I had. I had a lot of cool conversations, but one of them was I met the and I didn't know this was a thing, um, a guy who is the director of vision for Caterpillar director of vision vision you
1: probably got like really ears perked up at that moment <laughs> I totally tell me was more <laughs> geeking out
0: over this <laughs> this guy like makes sure that vision and mission is integrated and moving forward in every um area of the company that's right? his full-time gig that's his like million dollar gig i guess i don't know let's <laughs> make up numbers but um yeah no he's like um like w- really high up there but um, really involved in his faith, came to the mission, met his wife and beautiful kids. And um, so, yeah, I mean, and then come to find out, like, uh, his parents grew up in Louisiana. So we hit it off. And so I'm geeking out. I'm asking yeah, him all bet. these questions. You know, here's what's interesting about vision is that um, what I love about it is that it's so scriptural. You know, like it even talks about in the Old Testament uh, someone without vision will perish. Like the inability to see forward. Uh, to see the big picture. I mean, this This rings true in our faith. Like, if we if we don't understand that our ultimate vision is is to make it to heaven, like our ultimate goal, like we're not... Someone told me recently, and I, and I knew this, but they reminded me that desolation, to feel desolate, and spiritual desolation, is the inability to see past ourselves, past all the, you know, things, little things that we focus on, right? And vision moves our eyes forward it moves us out of ourselves into something bigger so i'm asking them all these questions about vision and integration (laughs) and it was pretty cool like we had some good yeah i mean
1: you don't meet someone every day whose full-time gig is to ensure vision throughout a massive company yes and apparently is good at it enough to still be around
0: yeah and i think this is what we're lacking a lot in in um, the church particularly is a lack of vision uh we we spend so much time just focusing on you know, this, like the, the minute, the detail, the doing. And not that those things aren't important, but it's very rare that you come across a healthy church and staff that are moving towards something bigger, something greater. And, you know, there's a lot that we can learn from people who are uh, in the business world. Um, but speaking of vision, and I'm going to tie this in, and we were talking about this before the air, because the show we're doing it is airing on Good Friday. Mm-hmm. And um, Happy Good Friday. Can you say that? You just did. Uh, you know, it, it is a sort of a this paradoxical, you know, saying, like, Good Friday. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> often had, uh, you know, people say, why is it good? You know, why is it good? So can you say Happy Good Friday? Um, you know, I think there is joy on Good Friday in a sense of what was accomplished on Good
1: Friday. Absolutely. Well, and remember that. The passion death of our Lord takes place within the context of a Passover liturgy, right? Mm -hmm. So like in the Old Testament, the Passover meal preceded coming out of Egypt, right? Like you finish the meal and you had to finish it with your loins girt, right? Unleavened bread because you're in a hurry. You ate it standing up because you were about to take off, right? So you finish the meal, it's consumed, it's consummated, and then you're led into freedom, right? Right. Right. And our Lord completes his Passover sacrifice today yeah. and then leads us into freedom, right? right. Leads us as the new Moses into the new promised land of, of the eternal life we're all going to have. And so in that sense, now, there was a lot of pain at the end of the Passover because it was, it was then the, uh, the death of the firstborn. Mm-hmm. And so today we feel the pain of the death of God's only son, right? Yep. But we know that there's freedom. And again, the vision that Christ has on the cross is not just a vision of this current moment. That's exactly right. But a vision of how this current moment fits into the big picture. Mm-hmm. And by the big picture, for our Lord, it's the will of his Father. Yep. And that is the big picture, because God's will ultimately wins. Yep. There is no other will, not my will, your will, the will of the devil. Nobody nobody says the big picture except God the Father. God wins. What I love about
0: Good Friday is that Easter is coming. It's mm-hmm. right around the corner. And we are Easter people, we're resurrection people, but we can't pass up the cross, right? The good of the cross is that it is finished. And Jesus says it's finished. Like, our sins are forgiven. Like, we have freedom. You know, like, we now have freedom from our sin. Like, that's a big deal. That's worth celebrating. That's worth um, focusing on. And the vision of the cross, as you were saying, is, um, like, we can't lose vision of the cross, even as Christian people, you know, oftentimes we, we, we want to put the cross aside and just think about, you know, the resurrection or heaven, but we, we we don't get there without the cross. Like the cross has to be a part of our vision because we all experience suffering, we've all experienced sin, and it's the cross that accomplishes um, the defeat of that, right? Yeah. Of our woundedness, our brokenness, our shame, our sin. And just to put it aside, to. To think that uh, it's not a big deal anymore uh, is really to not be Christian. You know, we, yeah. we're, we're Christian because of the cross, and Good Friday is not this. T- you know, it's this time to really come around that again to be reminded of the the beauty of the cross, the 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 miracle of the cross, and the cross then points us to freedom, the promised land. Right. So so it's like. It's like looking, you know, vision. Sometimes you have, you know, you need to look through a scope, Mm -hmm. you know, to see further. The 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 scope has a cross in it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like you can't, as a Christian, like you can't see heaven without the cross.
1: Yeah, and I find it interesting looking at the evolution of Christianity over these past two thousand years and a few hundred years ago. This idea of building a utopia as as a humanity came about, but like not through God. I mean, before that, the vast majority of Christians knew that to get where we wanted to go, to get to that place, that place of vision where God was leading us, it came through the will of God, through the cross, like not through any other means. But slowly it crept into Christianity that we can accomplish things without God's plan, in a sense, mm-hmm. without this cross, then resurrection path that he's given us. Right, We can accomplish it through different institutions, through scientific discovery, through, like, all these things that can bring about the better humanity, this perfect world we all want to see. And the Lord just keeps reminding us, ever, you know, for the past 300 years, any time we attempt any other path than the path he's laid out is disastrous. Hmm. It's disastrous for us. Hmm. And the church now, I think, and, and part of our renewal is to remind ourselves, we don't build the church ourselves. We follow the path that our Lord has taught us, the path of the cross, the path of suffering, and we will not live in a world until Jesus comes back when everyone is arm-in-arm arm singing Kumbaya. Like, that's not going to happen. And right. he never promised that. Yeah. But we can be faithful to his mission. And, like, think, think of Mother Teresa, right? All she wanted to do was be faithful to the vision God gave her. What was the vision? To care for the poorest of the poor. And that's it. So it wasn't a vision of this multinational corporation with all these people and all this money flowing in. That's not what she, that's not what she saw. Mm-hmm. And what she saw was this vision of caring for the poorest of the poor. And as long as she was faithful to that, God accomplished lots and lots of things. And, you know, here's what's not complicated
0: about the vision is that vision just brings you back on track on what you're about. You mm-hmm. know, so as Christians, like, we're about loving God, loving people, getting to heaven, doing, doing you know, like in a company, you know, director of vision just gets everyone realigned with what they're already about. Like, they're not making up something new. Caterpillar is about making the best tractors in the world, right? Mm-hmm. And having great customer service. Like, let's do that every day. That's our big picture. Let's not forget about that. And I think you're spot on. I think, you know, even in in the ministry world and church work, and it, it's not about, like, expanding our building or it's about getting back to what we're about. So, so if you're about loving people, making disciples, reaching, serving the poor, like, and that's your mission, do that. Well, though, do it well. And then you're going to see things happen. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, But the vision is not like, you know, like getting away from that. Like, I think oftentimes we get away from that. Um, And, And that's right. Like, Mother Teresa's plan was never to grow an international, you know, uh, community. Right. Or win a Nobel Peace Prize. uh, Or be super famous. Like, she could obviously care less about any of those things. It was about serving one person at a time, loving the poor, in the poorest of the poor, and they did that well.
1: Yeah. And I think it's a... We need to remind ourselves what Jesus' vision was, I think. Today is a great reminder. It was not necessarily to save the world. In other words, he did not design things as the perfect platform to reach every human being ever. That's not what he was about. He was about doing the will of his Father, and that's it. And he'll tell you that. I don't say anything on my own. I only say what the Father tells me to say. I don't do anything on my own. I just do what the Father told me to do Mm -hmm. or tells me to do or I see the Father doing. Speaking of vision... His vision is the Father all the time. And he does what he sees the Father doing. Do we live like that? You know, it's a distraction to think that we can accomplish anything without our eyes on our Father. You know, like if we're not a child first looking at our Father and then just doing whatever the Father does or tells us to do then we act like grown-ups, but we ruin everything. You know what I'm saying? Like we need to be children if we're going to have vision because a child is looking at the Father. Mm-hmm. That's the vision of Christianity. And when we lose it, we, we, just, we attempt to do things ourselves right. and we mess everything up. Yeah,
0: and I think, yeah, you're right. Like the vision of Jesus uh, wasn't scaled down to just a cross, mm-hmm. right? Like that was part of God's plan, but the vision... Of Jesus was to do the father's will mm-hmm. the father's will was that we would all be brought back into relationship right. with him the father's will is that we would be set free completely and totally that we wouldn't have to wander in the desert uh, any longer that Egypt would be in the past that we would have a future like of hope right that was the vision of the father and Jesus became about the father's vision and he accomplished that in many ways. Mm-hmm. He accomplished that by loving people, by teaching us the art of living. If you read about the life of Christ and what he did and how he interacted and how he loved and served. And the cross was a major part of setting us free. It was a part of the bigger picture in the vision. But the vision was also to rise from the, from the dead. Mm-mm. Right? The vision was also a part of uh, God's plan to send the Holy Spirit to live inside of us, to empower us, to... Um, to serve God with everything we have. So, you know, like like that, that is, um, that's what the Father wants, the big the big vision, you know?
1: Yeah, and as long as we let him have the vision, we can accomplish his will. Yeah. When we steal the vision from him and say, God, this is your plan. I mean, look, on paper, Jesus's plan to, was disastrous. I'm going to preach for three years. Most people won't understand me. It made no sense. <laughs> it's not going to make sense to most people. Then... I'm going to let people kill me at the end of those three years, right, in front of everyone. And I'm going to be abandoned by my closest followers. Like, on paper, this plan is not the best long-term plan for an organization. You know what I mean? But, and and imagine the fate. Now, remember, Jesus, in in his human nature, right, like he totally submitted to the will of the Father. We know he experienced anguish and desolation like on in Gethsemane and on the cross like we experience the absence of the consolation that comes from knowing the Father and these kinds of things it, he in his humanness was not just overcome with consolation in his most important time his most important work the cross today in his humanness he experienced the depths of suffering and anguish and so you know, church, it's okay that we're suffering right now. Like it's okay that we experience times of discouragement. It's okay that we in the sense that we we can be accomplishing the Father's will. In fact, our best work can come right now in a discouraging moment, in a moment of I don't know what's going on, but I'm trusting in the mm-hmm. Father. This this could be our finest hour in the sense of it can lead to a great freedom in the resurrection.
0: There is no freedom without pain and suffering at times. And I think we if you really think about that, like, you know, some of our, our greatest breakthroughs is through failure. Uh it's through walking through suffering or pain and seeing the light uh, at the end, making it through. Uh there there is no spiritual freedom without the cross, the without experiencing what it's like to be sinful and forgiven. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, this, this is the beauty of it that, you know, there, there is freedom on the other end, but it's not without the pain of it, the pain of the suffering. And I think what Jesus showed us is that he had to go through the pain to experience the freedom and the resurrection. And as humans, like we do too, you know, we go through disappointment and discouragement and sickness and brokenness and sinfulness. And yet. The cross shows us that it's that's not the end hmm you know uh it's part of it but it makes suffering makes sense yeah gives right?
1: it purpose and meaning
0: yeah yeah absolutely all right so it's Paul and Adam um this is a good discussion man and uh you know keep the vision alive oh here's the deal i uh, I um so I had to speak at all the masses you know for this mission and i I bet um I didn't bet. I uh, told everyone that uh, predicted. Yeah, no, I said uh, I said I'll trade you crawfish for a caterpillar. Whoa, mm-hmm.
1: like yeah. a half a million dollar caterpillar.
0: I didn't know it was that much.
1: <laughs> That'd be a pretty good deal for you, I think.
0: Yeah. So one of the one of the enge- engineers at one of the mission nights brought me um, a, a model that they sell in their <laughs> um, in their gift shop. Twenty thousand dollar
1: model, maybe. <laughs> no,
0: it's just like this, you know, little toy caterpillar is pretty cool though
1: nice did you give them crawfish no oh
0: no man maybe i'll ship them some you can show i ship think crawfish. you have to now all right we'll be right back it's paul and adam talking order living the paul george show is made possible in part by our partners at solidarity healthshare solidarity is the catholic solution to the healthcare problem are you paying too much for your health care cost solidarity healthshare is a healthcare sharing ministry which provides an ethical way to fund health care costs while protecting and practicing our Catholic beliefs. Best yet, Solidarity HealthShare's members are exempt from the fines and penalties in the Affordable Care Act. Visit SolidarityHealthShare.org. That's SolidarityHealthShare.org. Welcome back to the show. Paul and Adam in studio talking all art of living. I took out the all, see? Not Good all choice. things art of living. Just some things. <laughs> yeah, just some things. Uh, super excited about our guest today, uh, Dr. Mario Sacasa. We'll call him Dr. Mario. That's it. Uh, we're just going <laughs> to cut that short. Um, lives in New Orleans and uh, works for uh, faithandfamily.org and has a podcast called Always Hope. So he's a doctor and psychologist, whatever uh mario what's going on man
2: hey man doing great and actually the website's faithinmarriage.org just to get that clear so the listeners don't go to somebody else's website it's <laughs> yeah there you go so.
0: Faith, org, yeah. which it's a great website by the way um and then you have your podcast uh people can look up it's always hope uh podcast with dr morio uh thanks for taking the time man um this is great i been meaning to to have you on and and have a conversation with you and what a great day to really talk about what you talk about on your show uh this show's airing on good friday and it it's sort of as christians like a the cross is a sign of hope and that's that's like your big thing man is really how how to bring people hope how do people find hope in the midst of their life so thanks for coming on
2: Oh man, I, I appreciate it. Adam. Thanks, guys, for for genuinely just having me on the show. And and you're right. I think that, you know, I'm a counselor uh, by training. That's one of my doctorates in is is in, is in counseling, and I've worked a lot with marriage and family situations. I worked with individuals who who have depression and anxiety, and and people who struggle with pornography and, and different addictions as well. Um, and so the theme of hope is something that I touch on just many times as a as a, as a counselor. And which is why I really wanted that to be the theme of of my own my own podcast is because I, I know in my own life um, the times that I, I haven't had hope the times that I have I have struggled um, it, it ha- has been some of the most just despairing moments in and, and I guess as I've kind of wrestled with this in, in my own heart in in my own life and then also just kind of working with people as well I really have come to believe that that hope is. Is defined like it's like to the degree that we can see God in the midst of our challenges, is the degree that we have hope. Um, and th- to the degree that we can see God's purpose uh, even play, playing out, even in the midst of the challenges and the suffering that we're experiencing, is the degree that, that we have hope. And so, certainly, just tying it into today, you know, being Good Friday, um, is 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 exactly what what we're speaking about because the, the cross finds us all. And, uh, and we all have moments in our life that, that feel like Good Friday. Um, but, but Good Friday for us as believers is, is anchored in, in the promise of what's coming on Sunday. Um, and and it's, it's anchored in the belief that the resurrection is there waiting for us. And that's, that's the central message of, of Christianity, is that, that all things can have hope, because, because God, who died on the cross, um, also rose again. And, uh, and that's the message that's supposed to bless us um, in, in every circumstance that we have going on in our lives.
1: Well, it seems like today, if we think about what happened on, on that Friday that Jesus died, we can see a lot of people losing hope, right? There's Judas, of course, but then there's also St. Peter, and all the apostles except John, right? Like, they lose what was in them before it was tested with the cross. And there seems to be something humanly destructive about despair in other words like judas for example ends his life in his despair it seems like if we lack hope as human beings it destroys us
2: yeah no absolutely of course it does i mean it's when dante's inferno the the the, the, what reads over the threshold right as you go into the deepest part of hell is cast all ye hope who enter Mm. in the sense that like this is this is this is it this is there, there's nothing more but this abject despair, and uh, and, I, and I think you're you, you're right. I mean, to and we see this psychologically speaking. So I'll say a couple things here. But psychologically speaking, we know that people who who live out of despair or who who live out of a pessimistic kind of view of the world that things just aren't going to get better, um, or or that the 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 negativity is is the norm, people who live out of that disposition tend to just be you know less social, less healthy. Um, not and, and that makes sense, right? I mean, if, you, if if the world just stinks, if your life just stinks, then it's hard to get motivated to actually go do something about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so despair, without a doubt, is 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 a scary prospect, both from a from a psychological and from a spiritual perspective. You know, but when we think about like the cross specifically in Good Friday and what was going through people's minds at the time, a, a, a big lesson I think, and this is an understatement, but a lesson to to be learned for us is that they, they had an expectation of what the Savior was supposed to do. And, and what Jesus ended up doing was nowhere close to the expectation that they had. It didn't fit the model of what they thought things were supposed to look like, of what the plan was supposed to be. And so when we think about that in our own lives, sometimes we may have um, a, a plan or an objective, or we may have this expectation that life is supposed to look a certain way. And sometimes God allows us to suffer because he's, he's trying to redirect our attention to say, while what you may have thought is good, what I actually have is something better. And, and, and we have to kind of work within our hearts and to sift our desires so that the, the desires can be purified to a point that we can actually see what God is trying to communicate. You know, if Jesus would have been just the political Savior that they expected him to be, we would still be without hope. Two thousand years later, Hmm. because great, he would have saved the nation, great, he would have led an army against uh, Rome, but how would that have lasted the 2,000 years since? How would the Christian message be proclaimed? It's the fact that he came as God in complete meekness, and died on the cross, and rose again, that what he saved us from was sin itself, not just from a political organization, not just from a government, but he saved us from the one thing Entraps us to slavery more than anything else, which is our our our, our sinfulness.
0: Yeah, no, um, absolutely, and,
2: and that's that's the hope, man.
0: Yeah, you know, so, so we've all experienced. You know, we're human, so we all experience hopelessness. You know, times of despair, times of suffering. Uh, you know, none of us are void of of those things, but there's different levels to that. You know, I'm not a professionally trained counselor. You know, you you see patients and clients, you deal with this. When you, when you talk about hope, and then the opposite side of that, hopelessness, and then you, you mentioned despair, is, what's the root of that? And, and I know that it's probably different for different people, but what is the root of our despair, our roots, or roots of our hopelessness?
2: I mean, I think it's a few things, but I guess what, what kind of comes to mind is, is, um, Well, 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 first, let me say, you know, when when I talk about hope or or optimism, I I, I don't want the listeners to be confused. I'm not talking about some, like, willy-nilly, pie-in-the-sky, Pollyanna, everything's-going-to-be-okay, you know, type of mentality. I I actually think that hope comes in in, in being tested. Um, And when we've gone through suffering and we've gotten on the other side of it, and then we reflected about the hardship that we had, that is what gives us hope. Um, And so... To answer your question, I think what tends to happen is, is that, one, we're, we're, we're not prepared um, or we're not expecting the hardships of life to happen to us, and, and that can happen for a whole host of reasons. Um, and sometimes, with respect, I think that, you know, even kind of—I don't think anybody's saying this specifically, but sometimes, like, within the Church, there's kind of a, a mentality. It's like, well, if you, just, if you pray the Rosary, you, you go to Mass, you, you, you read the right books, and you do the right things, you know, life's going to be peachy keen. And, um, and I don't think that formula works for everybody. I think there's a place where, yeah, we do those things because that, that gives us purpose, that gives us meaning, that, that draws us to holiness, that brings us to, to, to closer to the Lord. But sometimes, like, God does allow hardships to happen, and, and life is still hard, um, even for those of us who profess to, to, to be believers and to, to love the Lord. Um, and so I think that sometimes our hopelessness or our despair comes out of a place where, where, where we need to just— we need to make sure our expectations are okay— in um, that 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 we're working with God um, to always seek Him, um, even even in the midst of, of the challenges and sufferings that we have in life.
1: So psychologically and spiritual um, realities of hope and despair. What have you seen as you've worked with people? Um, is it is it kind of the same process? Like if if you're working with someone. From a psychological standpoint, or from a standpoint of them just having a spiritual awakening to to rekindle their hope, are we talking about two different methods or processes, or is it just kind of one message uh, in therapy that can re- can renew hope in someone?
2: Well, I mean, I guess it depends on the the person that I'm working with, and in really the degree that they want the spiritual, you know, psych, um, theological conversation to be part of the the, the practice. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I, like. I'm, I'm a Catholic, I'm a Catholic therapist, I promote myself as that, and so most of the people I do see find me because they want you know, some degree of spiritual conversation brought into the, the consulting room, but certainly not, not everybody. So first I'll just say that I, I want to um, make sure and assess that people are wh- where they are um, in their spiritual life. The, the second thing I would say is, is that any good psychological work um, is always at the service of the spiritual life. Right when I'm when I'm helping somebody kind of deal with the, whatever negative thought processes that they have, if they're Catholic and they're trying to make sense of it, it's always due to the, the sense that like I'm, I want to help this person better understand themselves so that, that way they can better understand who God is, and that they can grow in their relationship with God. Um, so so there are distinctions. The, the spiritual life is not synonymous with, with the psychological life. There there they are, there are parallel tracks that are there, um, but uh, but if it is a uniquely psychological issue. Then, then, yeah, I'll, I'll work with them to what's the cognitive um, experience that, that that they're going through. What what are what are, what's the history what's the narrative that they live with that needs to be kind of rewritten? Um, those are those are psychological questions that we will work with. If if they're spiritual questions that are um, maybe maybe they've read uh, some some bad books that that are misguiding them in the spiritual life, or or maybe they're going through a, a um, some type of spiritual crises or 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 um uh, you know a time of desolation then i I'll, I'll be a little sensitive to that because i'm really i'm not a trained spiritual director so i'll i'll dabble into some of that a little bit but, but then certainly refer them to to a director to to deal with those issues more more that's
0: great i'm uh, talking to dr mario sakasa faithandfamily.org uh, sorry, faithandmarriage.org. Faith I keep getting that wrong.
2: Faithandmarriage.org. <laughs> I have we the like website. Family. We like family, too, but yeah. it's just faithandmarriage.org.
0: <laughs> I literally have the website right in front of me. <laughs> <laughs> it's like my eyes are crossing, you know. Like, uh, But uh, Always Hope Podcast, so you can look that up, and that's where you find them and listen to them. Uh, just real quick, because, you know, Adam kind of touched in, on this in his question, and you did as well, is, is it? how do you deal with someone who who's a non-believer in finding hope? Uh, because I know for me, just on a personal level, like when I'm hopeless, despair, depressed, you know, things aren't going, going through suffering, pain, whatever. Um, you know, it is the, the cross. It is the resurrection it is faith. It is prayer that kind of pulls me out. Right. Um, so h- how do you deal with that when someone is so distant from God or d- does it recognize that God is the source of hope?
2: Yeah, that's a great question. Um, you you have to go then to the to the next thing underneath God, so to speak. Like if we look at a hierarchy of goods or, or a value set, what, w- if they don't believe in God specifically, or they don't, or they're still wrestling with that? Well, then, what, what, what can I help them with? Well, um, everybody still has an, a desire for meaning and purpose in their life, mm. um, and and what does that mean to this individual? Then, like what like what are the things that, that are that are really the most meaningful in life? and And that would be the conversation I would have with them is to kind of reassess what that is and And the reality is if they say you know that the most meaningful thing is for them to have a big car or have a lot of money, I would then point them to the psychological literature that says that's not going to bring real happiness that's not that's not the end game that's a that's a pleasant life, um, as Martin Seligman calls it, but that's not the good life um, and so what what then is the good life well you've you got to have something that's larger than yourself you have to Find something that you can actually give yourself to in service of. And, and those are the things that are going to help you find meaning. And when you find meaning and purpose in your life, then you start working towards it. And if you're working towards that goal that is that is lofty, that is, that is, um, that is, that is high, that is good, then uh, then then you have hope because you're moving towards that, that goal. Um, so Jordan Peterson would say, uh, that we should seek th- that which is meaningful and that which is expedient. And I think using those type of, that type of language, which is purely psychological um, and doesn't get into the metaphysics of, of Christianity, um, that's the language that I would use with somebody who, who, would came, who would come to see me that isn't religious. So let's kind of
1: turn toward the Church. Obviously, we're in a difficult time, not just in the U.S., but throughout the world as a, as a Church, in dealing with not just the sexual abuse crisis but just a crisis of hope you might say i know paul and i been working for the church for a long time it's i don't remember a time where it was so easy to be discouraged and despair about where we're going as a church and what we're doing and of course jesus is is there today on good friday at a time when it it seemed about as bleak as it could be right we killed god literally and uh but yet, the resurrection was right around the corner. So I guess, what would you say, what's your assessment of the Church, and, and where do you find hope?
2: <laughs> oh, man. Great question, Adam. I whiskey.
1: Mean, Good whiskey.
2: <laughs> I thought I was going to say bourbon. Does bourbon count? <laughs> it could.
1: Is that a source, a psychological source of hope?
2: <laughs> temporary, temporary. Um, uh, it's in It's in Jesus. It's in Jesus. I mean, it's, it, it's, it's, the hope is still where it was 2,000 years ago. It's in Christ himself. And, and recognizing that the, the, church, the church has gone through other scandals before, and the process of, of renewing the church is not something that happens overnight. Um, and, and if we believe that God, not that he wills, Um, or desires scandal, certainly, but that in that, he can still bring meaning and purpose. If the, that then, what my hope is, that we can pray for the decision makers to really listen to what we are saying as as lay people, and those of us kind of lower in the rung in the hierarchy, whether that's, you know, priests and and others as well, that there, there are real conversations that need to happen here, and real changes that need to happen. But, I'm not getting paid to, to be the one that has to execute those decisions. I'm not getting paid. I'm not a consultant being asked to to, to what my opinion is on it. And so the, the best thing that I can do is to to pray for the church, but to remind myself that it's in Jesus that my hope rests, and that the church I cannot make an idol out of the church either. That the church is an icon, certainly that points me towards the communion of saints and points me towards heaven, but that that God Himself is reigns supreme, and so even when the church confuses and it gets caught up in power structures or gets caught up in things that aren't divine um, because it is a human institution and that can happen, like my hope still rests that God will save us um, because that's the promise that that, that, that I read about in scripture and that he's told me in my own heart as
0: well. Yeah. Focus on Jesus, man. All right. So, uh, talking to Dr. Mario, um, he's got a, podcast, always hope podcast. So on the podcast, uh, like, what do you talk about? I mean, I know the main theme is called always hope, but you know, what, what's, what's some of the themes that you've been addressing there and getting some feedback from people. Um, cause you know, before the show we were talking about how, um, you know, you were speaking to some young adults about their vocation, which is a big deal, you know, discernment of mm-hmm. vocation. Uh, what are some of those themes that you've been drilling down
2: on? Yeah. So the the tag for the show then is is uh, finding God's goodness in life's challenges. Mm. Um, and a, as a counselor, then you know I I I, I want that. That's that's what's been my my desires to help people find God's goodness in the midst of the challenges. So so what are the challenges then? Um, well, I'm a, I'm a I'm a marriage counselor. I'm a relationship therapist, and so that I've seen a lot of struggle that's there. Um, and so, something like discernment, for example, like you mentioned, I've done a few shows on discernment, whether it's discerning um, celibacy or discerning marriage. Um, that can be a, a, a despairing time for people as they're trying to put the pieces together and, and wrestling with their anxieties. How can they find God in the midst of that? Um, and so, those are the questions that I'm after. Now, now, the way that I do it, though, is, is I, I think um, because I, as a, as a counselor, I, I'm very concerned in the practical as much as I am in the theoretical. Um, and so I try to find a balance with both. And so the interviews that I do, whether it's with theologians or with, with priests or with other therapists is really trying to mirror both Is to find, okay, well, well, what does the teaching say about this? But then how do we actually practically try to live this out? Um, so a recent episode I did was with father Sean, um, who is a, a, a priest gaining some, some popularity on the issue of pornography. And so the episode in was entirely focused on how pornography impacts our capacity to discern a lifelong location. and so we spent time talking about seminarians and, and and priests who may struggle with pornography and how to handle that, and then people who are dating and how involved you should be with somebody who has pornography, or if you're married and and you're, you're find out your spouse you know is dealing with this issue, how do you help them with that, and so just trying to find the the, the particular ways you know to to help people kind of navigate um, those those challenges.
1: So on your podcast, how long have you been doing it now, How long as it been going?
2: Good. Seven months or so. I think we started it, launched it in, in late September.
1: Okay, awesome. So that's, that's a good stretch of time. How have you seen it impact um, within your practice? Like just this weekly time to really talk about an issue like you just brought up, like pornography, its effect on those uh, discerning vocations, marriages, all that kind of thing. What what role do you see a podcast playing in kind of your overall mission uh, to bring hope to people?
2: Yeah, yeah. Th- what a great question. Well, the the, the limitation with a, with as a counselor is that you're you're bound by time, and that with in energy, right? So that means that like I only have an hour a week or however many hours a week with so many people that I can help, and so I'm limited in what I'm able to who who I'm actually able to impact. So you know, if I'm very successful and I have 30 people a week or something, which I I don't do that. I'm not, I'm not crazy. I don't see that many, but I know other therapists who do, but that's 30 people a week. Now there's an opportunity to grow deeply with them and to really help them. But I guess as reflected for me and why I really started the show was I realized just how limited we are as people and how limited I am with, with my time and my, and my energy at, at, you know, and I was like, okay, well, how do I maximize this? What's the best way Well, something like a podcast then gives you an opportunity to, to reach as many people as you can. I mean, whoever listens to the show. And if there's conversations that I'm having with five or six people in counseling, well, then I recognize that there's a lot more people out there who are asking these same questions. Mm -hmm. And so I go into every episode kind of actually having certain people in my mind, um, that, that, um, in the questions that they're asking, like, like people who are, who are clients of mine, um, and so I'm thinking about them as I'm asking the questions to my guests, because I know if there's two or three people who've come to see me and opened up about the story, then I know there's countless others out there who are struggling with that same question. And if I can go ahead and answer those questions without ever having to meet those people, well, then I think I'm, in humility, I think I've, I've done what the Lord has asked me to do.
0: Amen. Talking to Dr. Mario, org. Always Hope Podcast, you can find him there. Okay, I got one last question, because... Uh, You got me with the practical. You said you're all about the practical as well, which I am. So uh, we're two peas in a pod. Um, Give me – I'll put you on the spot here, but your top three to five practical things someone can do if they're feeling despair or hopelessness.
2: Okay. The first thing is (laughs) – I love it. No, no. What happens when when we start feeling despair – um, is that we can, we can lose sight of the good things in life hmm. um, and the good things that are happening to us today. And so the first thing is to encourage anybody to, at the end of their day, rather than ending their day staring at Netflix or drinking or, or in an argument or just some other type of numbing agent just to get to sleep, if you could just take a moment to turn the phone off and to just give to the Lord one thing that you're grateful for that love happened that. today. love that. Just one. Find, find one thing that you're grateful for, even in the midst of, of the hardship, in the midst of the struggle, whatever it is. Is there, is there just one? There has to have been one thing that happened today. You know, and, and just the very fact that we're still breathing is, is a gift. And even the fact that we have life is, is, is a gift. And just even if it's that, then giving that to the Lord. So finding one thing that you can just be grateful for, um, that's the first thing. The second thing I would say is it, just anchoring that, having some gratitude, going back to what I said earlier about finding meaning. Well, then you have to ask yourself in the midst of the struggle, what is, what, what is the purpose in this? And what, what, what can I learn from, from what's happening right now? Now, sometimes stuff happens to us. And it's completely without our, you know, outside of our, our control and we can't deal with it. But sometimes it's a mix of both. Sometimes things happen to us. But we have to take a little bit of responsibility for the situation that we're in. And so in humility, can, can we acknowledge that? So gratitude, then two, having some, some ownership responsibility. Not to be scrupulous about it, but just a little bit to recognize, okay, what did I do that I can do better next time? And then so then the third thing then leads to that is then what are my goals? And what do I want to do? Where do I want to be six months from now? Where, where do I want to be a year from now? And, and how can I then, even in the midst of the struggle that I'm in right now, Set up strategies to, to be in a different place six, six months or a year from now. And then moving towards that goal, the little steps that you take, the small victories that happen every single day are moving you towards that. Then, then you at least have the hope that you know things are going to be different because I'm actually doing something to, to make it different. Amen to um, that. So those would be the three things that I would throw out there.
0: That's yeah. my. I got That's homework. Good I got three things. I got serious homework to do. That's what I'm. Do. <laughs> <Don't laughs> so we all, man. <laughs> serious Don't homework. Uh, this is a good. Like <laughs> I could literally do this in my prayer time or end of the day mm-hmm. reflection. Like use those three things to kind of, you know, bring me back. So th- this is good. So, uh, Doctor Morio, dude, you rock. Uh, you can find Doctor Morio on the Always Hope podcast. I'm assuming they can search that on um, iTunes or Google Play. Is that right?
2: iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify. Um, I'm on. I'm on all four of those. Great. So people can search that up, and you'll find me.
0: Great. So uh, check out the podcast, and then of course website uh, faithandmarriage.org. Uh, you can read about um, Dr. Mario and what he's doing. So this is great, man. Uh, we're gonna have to. We're gonna have to have you back on, uh, and do this Love again. It. Does that sound good?
2: Yeah, man. Anytime.
0: All right, man. God bless. Thanks again.
2: God bless you, too. Thanks, guys, for having me
0: on the show. It was awesome. All right. The Paul George Show is made possible in part by our partners at Solidarity HealthShare. Solidarity is the Catholic solution to the healthcare problem. Are you paying too much for your health care cost? Solidarity HealthShare is a healthcare sharing ministry which provides an ethical way to fund health care costs while protecting and practicing our Catholic beliefs. Best yet, Solidarity HealthShare's members are exempt from the fines and penalties in the Affordable Care Act. Visit SolidarityHealthShare.org. That's SolidarityHealthShare.org. Welcome back to the show. Paul and Adam in studio talking art of living. The art of hope.
1: The art of hoping.
0: <laughs> the art of hoping. Dude, great interview.
1: Yeah. Talk not not like the sacasa. action of
0: interviewing,
1: that was great too. I'm talking about like Dr. Mario. He did great. Yeah. Dr. Mario. He's super, isn't he?
0: Yeah, I think there is something super cool about having doctor Mario. in front of your name though. Mhm. Like I would get the doctorate less for the information and more just to have a doctor in front of my name.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Dr. Mario.
0: Would you call me Dr. Paul or Dr. George or Dr.
1: Paul George? I would call you Doc. <laughs> And I would say, what's up, Doc? What's up, Doc? Yeah. Dr. Y- Paul George. Dr. Paul
0: George. So anyway, uh, check out his podcast. But, you know, honestly, like, the last question was my best question.
1: You saved the best for last. Uh,
0: yeah. And I wasn't planning on it. <laughs> but I do like to get the last word in.
1: It was a good last word. And, and Some good y- tips. for you
0: to get the last question in was just not going to happen. It's to not going to happen. Uh, but anyway, uh, the practical things I thought were really great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know and i want to revisit that for a minute because i think oftentimes we'll we kind of throw the practical aside in a sense of like well i don't have time to do that or what did he say again and how do i do that and you know the first one was this is like very simply like at the end of your day or during your day it could be um write one thing or multiple things down that that you're grateful for and i often find for me i don't know about you that when i'm struggling with hopelessness or just a bad day or whatever i want to complain if i simply sit down and think about things i'm grateful for that are good it it pulls me out of that Mm -hmm. pulls me out of the complaining or the despair or negative attitude or whatever the case may be i don't know
1: if you feel the same way absolutely a family tradition we pretty much stick to but not perfect at it as far as doing it every night but is that we end the night as a family saying one thing we're grateful for and one thing we're sorry for, Hmm. but, like, to Jesus. So not like, you know, guys, I'm grateful. It's like, Lord, thank you. And everybody vocalizes out loud something, but then, and I'm sorry for whatever. Hmm. And uh, without it, honestly, I don't know how else to teach my kids that idea. Because, I mean, it is, like you was talking about cognitive habits, like they form young. And so if we get into a cognitive habit of never thanking God for something every day, well, then there's something missing there, mm-hmm. you know? And so for, for me, I've I've been convicted. I didn't grow up that way. I didn't grow up thinking that way. Um So to help my kids get ahead in life in the sense of being used to thanking God for something every day is, is for me pretty important.
0: Yeah, learning to be grateful. And we can be grateful even in the midst of times where we feel like you know, things are, you know, falling apart because Mm -hmm. we can always find something that we can be grateful for, uh, thankful for. And when we, when we can repeat that, I know for me, like it pulls us out of this desolation, this, this depression, this hopelessness, you know, and I I know one time in my life, I I, I just started a gratitude journal. Like every day I was just, you know, what am I grateful? Just start writing it down, writing it down. Um, and it kind of built in sort of this pattern, this, in a sense, habit or virtue of, of gratitude mm-hmm. to go back to that, I think is important. You know, the next thing he says is, um, you know, he used the word anchor, but uh, like, w- what are you learning from this situation? Mm-hmm. And I thought that was kind of cool because I think oftentimes when we're hopeless or suffering or whatever, we don't always feel like there's a lesson in this or there's something good in it, right? We feel like it's just all bad. And I thought that was interesting. He says, what, you, what, what can you learn from this? What are you learning? Like, wh- Where's the opportunity to grow? Because whatever's happening has potential to actually make you better, even though you don't feel that way. And to find that
1: in it, in the meaning,
0: helps to bring hope to it.
1: And that's why God allowed it to happen, right? He allowed this difficulty to happen so we would grow from it. Otherwise, he wouldn't have allowed it. And I'm not saying God causes all of our difficulties, but he does allow them. He has the power to spare us from any evil or suffering. Like, he has that power, right? There's the power to do anything. So he allows us to experience it for a reason. Mm. And just like he He won't force salvation upon us, but we have to accept it, he doesn't force salvation in moments upon us either. We have to participate in it, we have to accept it, we have to think through it. Lord, how can I do better? Or what, what are you teaching me right now? What do I need to learn? And this is easier said than done. I, some days I can I can be in that zone, and yeah. some days I'm just like, this sucks.
0: This, yeah, I don't want to learn right now. I don't want to <laughs> yeah. learn today. It's kind of like a kid. Like, <laughs> I don't want to go to school. Right. Right. I don't want to learn. And, but there is an opportunity to learn it, and I think what he's saying is you may not always feel that way, but if, if you can in your situation, find uh, the ability to say, how am I growing? What am I learning from this? What, what, what's building in me? Because I think that does kind of show, you know, even if it's like God's teaching me about trust and everything feels like it's falling apart— is like that, that character that he's building in you is is moving you forward, and you know Jesus models this for us. You know, I mean, he he didn't, you know, he chose the cross, but it's not like he he it upon himself in a sense of like he he's Father, take it from me. You know, like like there was there was some deep deep anxiety about facing mm-hmm. death, right? Uh, and the Lord allowed it because the good that was going to come was much greater than the despair yeah the good of the cross and, and dying on the cross was the doing that was much greater than than the despair like the hope that was coming through it and uh you know jesus even in his humanist didn't always you know feel oh this is great i'm learning something really unique today <laughs> in his humanist, he felt the pain of it and yeah and so we can relate like we can understand that the cross has meaning for us but if we can find meaning in what we're going through, I thought that was cool. And then um, the the third thing is, you know, he said, you know, then start from there. Like, just start setting some goals. Like, where do I want to go from here? Like, what do I want to do from here? And I think sometimes this is where it's hard because it's like, how do I do that? What does that mean to set goals? W- what if those goals don't lead me anywhere? And I think oftentimes it's just setting simple goals that move us forward, like one step at a time. You know, yeah, we have vision of where we want to go. But vision without goals go nowhere. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. we talked about in the first segment about vision is you got to have practical steps to move you forward. You know, like you can see, you know, uh, you know, the the top of the steeple, but you'll never get there without stairs. You Mm -hmm. know, you only see it so to get up there, you have to have steps. You have to have steps to get you there. And goals are simple. Simple steps to move you forward so you don't move backwards.
1: Well, and a lot of us don't achieve the things we'd really like to because we assume it's either too much or we just can't do it. Like, very practically speaking, if we have a, a place of clutter in our house, for example, like a or a project we've been putting off at our house, it's like, I need to have the time, I don't have the time. Or Like, there's always these... Scenarios where the thing is bigger in our mind than it is in reality. And, uh, you know, these steps he's given us, five minutes a day at most. Who doesn't have five minutes a day? Yeah. Right. And so, but setting goals makes that attainable. So it's like, all right, if in six months I want to be the type of person who doesn't yell at my kids, or the type of person who is a grateful person, or the type of person who, you know, whatever, like I want to be that person in, in six months what are the little steps i can do every day to start momentum in that area and it, and that's the thing is like you just need to start the momentum you need right. to push the ball off the cliff yep then that momentum picks up yep. you know because for example if i if i'm serious about it then i'll say oh, maybe i need counseling yep you know maybe i need to or maybe i need to seek out a priest and but you're not going to do those bigger steps if you're not willing to do the little steps to start the momentum yeah
0: small steps it could be i want to grow spiritually with just 5 minutes Mm-hmm. And find a time and a place like that could be just that simple, practical, and then that's going to build. Like it's going to build momentum. It could be like I want to get healthy. Just start with one day a week, go for a walk. Like it may be so simple that, it, but it gets the ball rolling, like you said. And sometimes I think we could set our goals too lofty and too big. We almost set our goal to the vision. Like I want to, mm-hmm. I want to be there now, but I don't want to do the work to get there. I just want to be there, and so therefore I'm going to quit.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: and I think it's important that small steps help us to just move forward at the right pace. So be patient with yourself on where you want to go. Yeah, we all have an idea where we want to be, but even spiritually, um, we're never going to be where we want to be, right? Like, uh, ha- heaven exists for after we die, you know, mm-hmm. and we're constantly pilgrims on a journey. We're, 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 we're working to grow in our faith and to you know, be holier. So anyway, great show, man. Uh, thanks to Dr. Mario for coming on. Yeah. Um, you can get his podcast and, uh, yeah. So, uh, also our podcast, um, uh, iTunes, Google play, whatever the case may be, share it, love it, like it, um, support it. Um, find it on discover the of and you can support the work that we're doing. Um, yeah, dude, great things happening. Have a great, good
1: Friday. Yeah. Yeah. Well, look, now that uh, now that we're here, Easter Sunday is right around the corner. Right around the corner. So I'm going to say have a happy Easter. I'm not going to say happy Easter because it's not Easter. Have one when it comes. But have one when it comes. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> dude, I'm going to feast, bro. You ain't kidding. Yeah. Let's do this. Mm-hmm. But today? Not feasting today. No.
0: Lean and mean. Lean and mean. Yep. Hugging the cross. Lean yes. and mean. Which? Uh, Yeah, so have have a good Friday. A good, good Friday. Stay in prayer. Good, good Friday. Good, good Friday. So anyway, thanks everyone for listening, and we'll talk to you next week. God bless.